listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, and Lydia. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Geek Awakens Presents uh, Artist Alley Spotlight. I am here with Scott A. Ford, who is the writer and artist for a uh, Kickstarter that's going on right now called Hologram Hunter. Uh, Scott, how's your day going? Good. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, really excited to chat about my project. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so give us the elevator pitch for Hologram Hunter. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, the easiest way to describe it is uh, Hologram Hunter is a uh, sci-fi graphic novel where half the book is 2D illustration and the other half is uh, 3D illustration that you look at with 3D glasses, like old school blue and red 3D glasses. Um, and that's kind of the pitch and that's kind of the whole uh, sort of seed that was planted in my brain that is like, I really want to try this out because it seems fun. Yeah. I I love the idea because like, you know, obviously the majority of comics are in 3D, but then you are, I'm sorry, in 2D, but then you get yeah. some that are in two, uh, 3D. Yeah. But like having a mix of the two, that's just a really interesting concept. Uh, what sparked your idea for that? Yeah, uh, honestly, it was um, there. There was an artist friend who I ran into at a, at a gallery show. Um, and uh, they had some 3D artwork, um, uh, Andrew Lodwick. So shout out to you, Andrew. Um, and and uh, he was showing me his his artwork that that he was illustrating and and turning into 3D. And um, and we were chatting, and he was telling me how it works. And I was like, that's that's really cool. I didn't know that you could just make this. I, I thought you needed fancy software to do it. And it turns out you can kind of just figure it out on your own. Uh, uh, analog style and and so yeah just years of just uh trying it out and and just you know making one layer blue one layer red and just messing around with that for years and just kind of having fun with it and eventually pulling together enough ideas that that oh this would be really fun to to write a story that that uses this style of 3d artwork that is jumping out of the page um and uh i actually had i had three different i uh comic ideas uh, one was a fantasy story, one was a sci-fi story, and one was a horror story uh, to potentially use this 3D style in. Um, and I was developing the fantasy story with a friend for a while, uh, and uh, then we moved on to other projects, and eventually uh, really developing this the sci-fi story that became Hologram Hunter. Uh, so really the experimentation came first, um, and then I was trying to find something to to put into that box of, I want to see this kind of format. Love it. Love it. So Hologram Hunter is almost completed. Uh, I know you said you've been working on it for a long time. How long yeah. have you been working on this project? So I started uh, in, I mean, I've been developing it. I think I did like a piece of concept art back in 2014. Um, and that was like, that was before this was a story. That's before, that was still me messing around with how to make 3D artwork. Um, and I just was like, oh, I'll draw like a kind of robot character um, shooting a laser gun. And, and that was it. So that was, I guess, the initial kind of ideas uh, sprang up there. But then in actually starting earnestly and actually 
working towards hologram hunter as it is right now uh, started in 2020 early 2020 I got a grant from the Manitoba Arts Council to uh, start uh, actually developing this and uh, yeah that's super grateful to have received that grant from them um, uh, yeah and 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 that was uh, that was like yeah fall late 2019 early 2020 was I, I got this grant and I was like oh this is so exciting I'm gonna work on this and I've got a whole bunch of new conventions coming up in 2020 this is gonna be uh so exciting and uh yeah and so obviously that didn't quite happen and uh uh the wind was kind of sucked out of my sails for 20 I mean I worked on it in 2020 because I still had that grant I'm super grateful that I was able to secure that grant in during what was 2020 and I worked on it yeah then and then can and on and off with some other jobs because you know 2020 you know changed a lot of priorities for a lot of folks myself included <laughs> um so I was working on some other commissions and other projects and then uh yeah continued working on it on and off uh into 2021 and 2022 and basically towards late 2022 really pushing to to finish this this is no longer just yeah trying to trying to develop the ideas and develop the the story but actually um yeah push this towards finished project uh, product and 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 my yeah my goal was like okay i need to finish it this year and i want to do a kickstarter for it um and yeah it's been a long time coming but i'm really excited to see it see the light of day um especially something so kind of strange uh and and experimental um yeah uh yeah uh so yeah, that was a long that was a long uh, answer to the question. I, I started it in earnest in 2020. Cool, and I can't imagine you. You said that you know, like, you know, like a lot of things happened in 2020. I I don't remember anything happening in 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, we all we all got uh, collective amnesia and uh, and skipped the last uh, two and a half years. Um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So the protagonist in your story doesn't have a name. Uh, why did you choose to go that route with this character? Um, a number of reasons. I mean, uh, is the is the easy answer that names are hard. Um, and <laughs> uh, but I, I, I don't know. I this book is really video game inspired, and in in its aesthetic, in its kind of mood in its sense of kind of exploration and and sense of wandering a space um and and observing your surroundings and there's there's lots of you know video games that in, that you know inspired this or or maybe that I just enjoy that didn't directly inspire this that where the protagonist doesn't have a name and thinking it from from this lens of like kind of this is kind of just an experience and in just an organic way okay well if it comes up where someone needs to address this character and use their name then I'll invent a name but if the story just goes all the way through you know in your day-to-day -day lives when you're talking to people who already know you how often do people say your name and so that's kind of the approach that I took this is if it comes up in earnest then I'll then I'll decide on a name but if it doesn't come up then they don't need a name they're they're still there they're still a person and with with uh, ideas and goals and and struggles throughout this this small journey, um, and uh, and so I thought I'd just leave it at that. 
and and yeah, their their uh, companion has a name, uh, Whiskers, uh, who's their kind of four-legged robotic transport robot, um, who's got kind of a, a cat face on the front of the uh, of the robotic contraption, um, and uh, yeah, so so I wanted to make sure that they have a name, and it's mentioned a few times, um, but no, the main character doesn't need a name. <laughs> Um, Whiskers is the perfect name for that, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I figured since the, cause, cause there's, so there's the 2D world, which is kind of realistic and gritty and kind of, uh, kind of has a cyberpunk kind of aesthetic to it. Um, and, and then there's the, the 3D world, which is kind of more, uh, clean and cyber world and, and a little more, uh, abstract or fantastical. And so, there are counterparts to everything in the real world and the sci-fi world, kind of like a, a veil that is uh, uh, over everything. And so, in in the in the real world, in the in the concrete world, uh, Whiskers is like a very very utilitarian, clunky robot. And I thought it was funny to have such a cutesy name for this thing that looks like. Um, yeah, like like those those real world transport robots that like Boston Dynamics makes or like that mm -hmm. are, are robot dogs, those kind of like transport things really inspired by that kind of uh, real robotics. But then in the in the uh, cyber world, uh, Whiskers looks like a, a cat. It looks like this <laughs> this actual cat kind of uh, capsule headed uh, capsule bodied kind of floating uh, avatar. Had a lot of fun with with kind of counterparts of uh, real world versus cyber world of how things look and feel. Nice. So like we said, uh, this is on Kickstarter right now. Yes. Um, what are some of the reward tier, uh, tiers that are available for Kickstarter? And then also, you know, give us the details. Uh, how long, you know, how long is it going to be on there? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, on the 17th, I believe, is the last day to back it. Oh, sorry, 17th of July. Um, yeah. Um, is the last day to back it. Um, yeah, and the main goal is like the physical graphic novel that comes with 3D glasses. Um, that was the main thing because there's an extra expense with, with uh, you know, providing 3D glasses with, uh, on top of just printing the book, that that was kind of the main thing that uh, I was um, thinking of pushing for a Kickstarter with this project as opposed to my other projects that I've kind of just done on my own or done smaller print runs. Um, and then I've got some really cool stretch pools that at higher tiers, I actually have 3D printed models of some of my figures, um, which was really incredible to do and kind of came about in an organic way because the, the, uh, most of this book is illustrated using 3D programs. So I have sculpted 3D sets and 3D characters using 3D programs. Um, and then somewhere along the line, I realized, um, oh, hey, like, could I take my models and print the, turn them into printable figures? Um, and turns out I could. And, uh, you know, I had to like kind of, uh, you know, finesse them a bit to make sure that they printed okay. But it's really cool uh, to see these characters in print. Um, I actually have some of them. Here's one. Here's, here's uh, the main uh, hunter um, as a figure. And it's, it's really cool because, I mean, first of all, seeing my character as like a figurine is, is very cool and not something I've done before. 
Uh, but also, this isn't just an approximation of the character as a model. This is the character from the book. This because because it's a 3D model that I'm using to illustrate. It is the same character one to one, um, which is really cool. Um, and adds another layer to this whole sci-fi, real world, cyber world, things crossing boundaries of the cyber world uh, into the real world. It, it adds an extra layer to that if you want to think of it that way. Um, so yeah, and I've got like a bunch of uh, cool art prints um, in addition to the physical book as well. Um, yeah, um, it's been it's been really exciting, and the reception so far on my Kickstarter has been has been really good. We're approaching the finish line, which is uh, three thousand dollars Canadian, um, and we're getting great, really close. Uh, about uh, four days, four or five days into the campaign so far. Um, yeah, it's it's been going really well. That's got to be a great feeling too. It is. And it's been very nerve wracking. I've been I've never done a Kickstarter before, um, and I kind of I've been thinking about it for a long time, but kind of been waiting for a, a solid project that that has uh, a good a good pitch to it, and this seemed like the right fit. Of like, this is something kind of unique, um, and it's a one off story. It's it's a it's shorter than some of my longer graphic novels. Um, I figured this was a good time to give it a go but yeah it's been it's been very nerve-wracking um yeah uh, but uh it's been it's been really cool it's been really cool to see the the support from friends and and family and fans um that are uh yeah helping me out with this it's yeah i'm, I'm really thankful so hologram hunter it's not the only comic that you created that has a a special format to it yeah. uh giants well is presented in an accordion style um, yeah. tell us a little bit about that book and why you chose to present that way so yeah giants well i made in 2015 um and that is also very video game inspired because you look at it and it kind of looks like a side-scrolling video game uh where with a like sort of a vast landscape that you're looking at from the side sort of like a cross section of a mountain with very small characters um and i i i love i love scale i love vast landscapes tall towers big environments and so i again kind of thinking about format before thinking about story is i always wanted to try an accordion style book that that feels like you're going down a bottomless pit that you can unfold this book and, and really feel the vastness of the landscape and something that is so unique to comics, uh, really, that, that, that this book, Giants Well, you can, it's a, it's a web comic and I actually released it as a web comic first. So you can read that on my, on my website, um, scottafordart.com. Um, and, and you can scroll that down like an infinite canvas style web comic. Um, but I wanted to also see it in print because seeing this thing physically stretched out, you know, that expands over 20, over 20 feet long um, is, is something that really only comics or strange art books can really provide. You know, yes, you can look at it on your phone or on your computer, but it doesn't have that same sense of vastness of how small the characters are and how, how overwhelming this, this landscape mountain is. Um, yeah, um, that, was, that was really fun to put together. Um, and, uh, yeah, it follows this old man and his cat, another cat, um, going down into this, this well at the top of the mountain and it leads into this, this vast cave system. 
And as they travel down, they have a conversation and you slowly uncover why they're going down into this chasm, what the history of is of, is of this place and what the old man's history is with this place and their relationship and sort of the mystery that unfolds as you read your way down and you get closer to the bottom of this cave um, and what maybe lies at the bottom there. Um, yeah, I, I like to experiment a lot. Um, I, I said this in my Kickstarter pitch video and I'll say it again, I think I get bored easily with my own style um, is I, I'm always trying to like, I, I do a book and it has this particular aesthetic or, or it explores a particular genre. And then it's like, okay, I did that. And so rather than doing another one of those, cause I already did that, let me try something else. And I'm always trying to like do something new. Cause I feel like I just want to make things that I would want to read. Um, and so if I already made it, well, then that already exists. So let me try making something else. Um, and that's kind of how I approach my storytelling is, is I'm, I'm excited about new ideas um, and, and doing things that maybe people have never seen before. And, and yeah, when, when people see my work and they're, they're, they're wowed by it, like that's, that's the best feeling is, is when somebody looks at it or reads a book and says like, I've never read a comic that was quite like this before or experienced a piece of art that, that quite looked like this before. That's incredible. That's, that's what makes it all worthwhile is, is making stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, you know, checking out your website earlier today, you know, just kind of, you know, doing my research and everything. And yeah, that was definitely one of the things I noticed is how, yeah, like all of your books, like there's, they're all so different. And that is just such a really cool is an understatement, but that's probably the only word I can think of right now. That's just such a cool yeah. way to go about things. Thank you. And the, yeah, well, that's exactly it. That's the reaction I want to have is, is I try to make something that's, you know, there's, there's stuff for different folks, for different, you know, tastes, for different preferences. Um, I usually kind of operate in the sci-fi fantasy genre. Um, so yeah, like I'm not doing, you know, anything too far off of that genre, but I always, yeah, I always like to try something new and um, yeah, um, experimenting with different art styles and, and moods is, is where I get my creative drive from. Like, I don't like to think of my artistic uh, workflow as like a particular style. Like, like this is my style of art and I'm gonna make books and, and apply my style to that. I think about the story first and think about this is a cool idea for a story or a cool idea for a format of a book um, or a way to tell a story. And then I think about what style would best suit that. And then I try to learn that style rather than, you know, developing my own aesthetic and my own style and, and, or even just how I make art, the pipeline of what programs I use and what techniques I use to make art. I, I try not to put that onto a book, but rather try to think of the ideas and, and figure out what would best suit this idea. Um, try to, try to wear the hat of different artists of, okay, if, if this story was made by any artist in the world that, you know, if I can choose any, any one or any particular style, I try to become that artist for a particular project because I feel like that makes that project the best rather than trying to shoehorn in my aesthetic into something that maybe doesn't suit it. So another book um, of yours that 
caught my eye and it's it was another also started as a uh, web comic <laughs> i've been practicing it all day um okoso moso Okoso Moso, right? yeah, very close. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I have the phonetic spelling on my website, and I don't actually know if that's correct phonetic spelling. Um, I don't know if that those are the correct symbols to cor correctly pronounce that. So that could be my bad. Um, oh, good. I just I just but... looked up other words with other sounds. I was like, sure, those symbols seem right. But yeah, it's Okoso Moso, uh, which came about kind of. I I was just doodling in my sketchbook. This was years and years ago and I wrote the word cosmos wrong I put too many o's in it and so I was like that's a funny way to spell that word and then that became Ocosomoso where there's just an o between every consonant and yeah it's a it was originally in a newspaper it was in the University of Winnipeg student newspaper um, and it was also available free to read online then and it's available free on my website right now um, yeah, it's just a little comic strip about this little spaceman who's just like six inches high and every sort of strip that's just four panels, he's just uh, observing the world um, and trying to make sense of it. And, and this was another case where I wanted to experiment with different aesthetic and I really wanted to try photographic backgrounds with illustrated characters. Um, again, just something that I always wanted to try and really try to ground a sense of place and a sense of realism that these are just photos around Winnipeg. These are just photos where I, where I worked or where I, you know, or the neighborhood where, where I would walk or, or um, where I would frequent in Winnipeg. And, but all from this very small perspective of, you know, it's, it's from the viewpoint of this six inch high little spaceman who's, you know, looking at blades of grass that are as tall as he is, or like, you know, poking, I think one of the, one of the strips is he's poking like a cigarette butt on the ground near a dumpster, thinking that it's like an offering left at this ancient shrine that has become <laughs> decayed. And it's just, it's just a weird idea. I don't know if it really has a point. It's mostly about him trying to make sense of the world and failing to do so. And, and then that's kind of it. And it's kind of sad and it's kind of melancholic but it's mostly just weird and silly. Um, yeah. Um, and, and you know what, I think, I think about that from time to time because I did that years ago and I think about revisiting that of, of where is he now? Cause he's still, still making a go of it on, on earth as this fish out of water. Weird, silly, trying to understand life and failing like yeah. that speaks to me. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that in my soul. Oh, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> So uh, we, we've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but um, you'd write and draw most of your books. So like yeah. when you're like, when you're like starting the creative process of a new book, do you, do you sometimes find that like your writer side of your brain or your illustrator side of the brain kind of takes over first? What, what do you think? Usually illustrator side, I, I think, yeah, I think very visually. So I think about, and I, and I also kind of think, you know, I talked about video games before. I also think in kind of a filmic way. So um, that's another reason why I love doing 3D models because I will envision a set of where I see this story or scene taking place. And I will build that set as a 3D model and place characters in it that are either, you know, fairly accurate or just an approximation like setting up mannequin mannequins in a in a in a diorama 
Um, and I will move a camera around to envision where I see characters having a conversation or if it's an action scene where I see a character, you know, moving through a space, you know, fighting or running or what have you. Um, and so, yeah, I tend to think very visually first, but again, I, I also think about not what I want to do, but what the story needs. And if that requires mostly focusing on visuals and trying to really hit home visual storytelling that you are looking at what's happening and observing and trying to pick up on visual details like that, that carries the story forward. Or if this is a conversation, if this is more dialogue based, you know, then that's what the story needs. And I will, I will wear that hat for, for the while. Um, I do tend to kind of construct my books uh, either visually or in writing. Um, I, when I'm, when I'm uh, thumbnailing, when I'm storyboarding, I will, I will either thumbnail visually, you know, doing, you know, small sketches of, of characters and panels moving through a scene and then have an approximation of what the dialogue will be around that, but it's kind of secondary. Or if I know this is going to be a text-heavy chapter, I will write a script, break that script up into reasonable word balloons after editing it and feeling like th this is a good conversation. Then I will take those word balloons and I will place them in empty panels. So before I even have an idea of what this is, what this chapter is going to look like, I have the conversation of word balloon to word balloon, panel to panel. Um, and then I can decide, oh, is this, um, you know, chapter way too long and I should condense it or is it not long enough and it's not hitting home how important this conversation is, or I can put in more details, then I will make those decisions there and also know that I have room for the artwork because I don't want to have only text flooding a page. Um, yeah, I will kind of take on one persona or the other, whether I'm the artist first or the writer first um, in that sense. Um, which has taken a lot of practice, but it, it feels that feels about right and has seemed like the smoothest trajectory through working on my books. So how did you get your start in comics? Um, you know what? I, I did not. I'm not someone who like grew up with comics, really. I like I would sure as a kid, I would, you know, had a few random issues of Spider-Man or Superman but they weren't really a passion for me or a huge interest as a kid. And it wasn't until late high school that I really discovered comics and fell in love with them through uh, Mike Mignola's Hellboy, um, because that was really the eye-opening point. Um, at this point, so this was grade 12. I, you know, I, I, art was my favorite class and, and I loved, you know, doing creative writing. And, and so I already had that spark in me and I, and I just, I love drawing characters and, you know, writing down ideas for stories, but it didn't really have any kind of direction yet. And then seeing Mike Mignola's work and really planting that seed of like, I didn't know comics could look like this. I didn't know, I didn't know you could tell a story that, that felt like this or that you have pages that have so much nuance and nobody's said anything for five pages and it's all just visuals and mood and you're just feeling your way through this experience um yeah that was really eye-opening that was that was the the spark for me of like oh I didn't know that comics could be more than than superheroes um and 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 that was really exciting and so then yeah I I read a ton of Hellboy and started exploring other works 
And then uh, after grade 12, going to university, I went to the uh, School of Fine Art here uh, in Winnipeg at the University of Manitoba. And um, yeah, just learning about art and also meeting friends who also liked comics and, and sharing comics with them. And yeah, exploring from there, it was, yeah, a really eye-opening process of, of realizing how diverse comics can be and that they are not, they're not a genre, they are a medium. And yeah, it was, it was a really transformative experience of, of realizing that I can tell any story I want and, and this can be the medium to do it. Hellboy aside, um, who were some of your other influences, either just starting out or even now? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Hellboy and Mike Mignola's work was was a huge influence, and that's really inspired my first comic that I did that actually just turned 11 years old, Romulus and Remus. Um, and you can very much see those influences. It's It, it definitely wears its inspirations on its sleeve. Um, and so yeah, that was that was a huge influence. And then exploring Dave McKean's work was a huge influence, not so directly, but also in an eye-opening way of like, I, like that, like his works, like he'll paint on top of photographs and make puppets and like make these dioramas and it's all within the same book. And it's like, it's so weird and creative. And, and yeah, again, just really opening my eyes of like, oh, you can do anything in this. It doesn't have to look or feel a certain way. Um, and, and a lot of very nuanced, mature stories in that aspect. Um, uh, I really like, uh, I like, uh, there's a ton of indie artists that, that I love, uh, people that I've encountered at comic festivals. Uh, Sam Beck's work uh, is really wonderful. Um, who, uh, yeah, I've, I've encountered at a few comic festivals and and does some really cool fantasy um uh an on i think it's an ongoing uh fantasy series called verse um that's just wonderfully illustrated and and a really cool cast of characters really great writing in that um yeah uh scott mcleod has been a huge influence more so in his teaching side of of yeah his books making comics and understanding comics um yeah has been just incredible tools of, of deconstructing this medium. Um, but yeah, that's more on the sort of teaching side of things. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's others, but I'm drawing a blank at the minute. I, I, get, I, I think I'm more inspired by other mediums than comics themselves sometimes. Like I've talked about film and, and also animation is a huge, like Studio Ghibli's work is, is a huge inspiration for all my all my comics in in mood and in aesthetic um and in its pacing um but yeah a, a ton of video games inspire my work and trying to always think about something that will uh be kind of surprising or unexpected um while still making you know fairly light-hearted adventure fantasy stories trying to think of from a perspective of like film language or video game language of I want to I want to make books that feel like you can explore this space that feel like you moving page to page you are kind of uh, you know moving through this space with the characters and observing these surroundings um like you like you're there and uh that has yeah come from a lot of video game 
inspiration as well. So speaking of video games, um, mm -hmm. there are, you, you do have some video games on your website. So tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, so those, all those games were made in Dreams. Um, and Dreams, for those that don't know, is a technically a game itself that is on PlayStation, um, on both PS4 and PS5. It's, yeah, it's a game that you buy for $60 or whatever it costs, like you would buy any video game, but it is a creation tool. It is basically a game development tool. It is like a game engine packaged as if it was a form of entertainment. Um, and it's, it's really cool. That came out in 2020, and, and I, I got that fairly early on and was just immediately blown away by how... Uh, how versatile it is and how intuitive it is and it is it is like yeah it is a full game engine basically where you can just make anything you want it doesn't have to look like their games look or have to function a certain way or do any particular thing you know whether it has to be like third person or first person or whatever um it, you can do whatever you want um and yeah it's a really cool tool um unfortunately they just announced that they're shutting down servers in september or or, or migrating servers it's, it's going through a bit of a a uh sort of down phasing downsizing process but it's still there and you can still play it and you can still make stuff and publish stuff online um but it is kind of locked into this ecosystem where you have to own a playstation and you have to own dreams to play these other games that it's it's in that kind of space so i can't like take these games and release them on steam or on on itch.io or something like that um so they're all free they're 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 just you know I, I i'm not making any money off of them they're all just passion projects but uh what the cool thing is is just how fast i was able to make these using that tool and it's just been a fun experiment again really being really inspired by video games obviously i've also thought about what are some games I would like to make that aren't comics that are that are actual video games? And so yeah, that's been really really fun. I made uh, my first project is called Cog. Um, that's about this little robot made of junk, just exploring this abandoned kind of closet or room that kind of has vaguely post-apocalyptic vibes, but it's mostly just kind of like exploring an old attic kind of vibe. Um, yeah, and 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 you just jump around you know, from this tiny robot's perspective. Um, and there's some bugs to fight and things to collect. And uh, yeah, uh, I think I made that in six months or so from start to finish, which is like, that's wild. That's what, like, if, if you're using a real game engine, I feel like that would take years and years. But I was able to, from scratch of learning a new tool to actually publishing a thing that I considered pretty faithful to what I wanted it to. I think it took like, six months maybe less um yeah uh and then i made another game that's actually in vr it's a like a sword fighting skeleton dungeon crawler kind of game um i think yeah that one only took like two months to make um that's and I, like, incredible i hand sculpted all those skeletons like all the assets i made myself from like the the architecture of the catacombs the like the way that like the, the sword like interacts in VR with the skeletons and the enemies and you have a torch and the torch can light other torches and like just it's just so fun it's just such a fun like like toy chest of like what if you could make any toy you wanted kind of feeling 
Um, very cool, very cool stuff. Um, yeah. So you're also on Patreon. Uh, what can people expect from becoming a patron? Yeah, um, Patreon is, uh, is, is been a cool platform honestly more so for myself than for others is I wanted a way because I, I, this is my full-time job and I, I work from home and you know, it gets kind of lonely. It gets kind of, <laughs> it gets kind of, it gets kind of uh, monotonous and you get into like this, this, you know, headspace of, of just working in isolation and sure I have tons of like friends and colleagues and, and other folks who I connect with to talk about art and to get you know critique from or feedback from but I wanted this platform that kind of felt like I didn't have to be my own boss 100% and Patreon has been great for that um, just as a way that I can uh, I can make these monthly posts so the main platform that I'm using for Patreon for and I, I wanted to do it very simplified is I do a monthly post of what I've been working on um and uh usually they're very in-depth it's I do quite a bit of writing on those but it's very candid of just just typing down on a keyboard this is what I worked on last month and here's some screenshots of some stuff maybe I'm not quite sharing on my social media yet some behind the scenes sketches so maybe more in-depth behind the scenes process so you get a, a deeper glimpse into my art process um through that and a way to journal what I've been up to again more so for me than than anything else is it's a way to keep myself on track and keep myself in a framework of of what I've been working on what I'm working towards um and and also reflect on accomplishments because that's really hard when you're when you're your own boss and you're working by yourself is to to feel like you've you've accomplished uh what you set out to or that you are making headway on this project or another project. And it's been really helpful to reflect on that in a, in a journaling kind of way. Um, but that's also public. That is, if that's helpful for other people to see my creative process um, or, or that are intrigued by like what I'm working on, whether it's a known project or whether it's more of a behind the scenes kind of secret project, um, I talk all about that. Um, and, uh, and those are actually free to read. So you don't have to be a Patreon to check those out again. I, I'm, I wanted to make Patreon as a kind of more of like a tip jar that like if people want to support my work because I am doing this full time and usually working months and months on something that I'm not getting paid for right away because I'm just working by myself, um, then that's a great way to support me. And, and uh, but also that, you know, I'm not gatekeeping those, those posts behind uh, a wall where like, yeah, if this is helpful for you or if you're curious to know what I'm, what I'm working on, feel free to, to read all those posts. Um, at higher tier levels on Patreon, I do have a postcard club. Um, so that that is a, a cool thing that uh, is an extra little incentive that, yeah, if you want to, every month, if you want to get a postcard from me, usually I try to make it exclusive artwork. So not artwork that I have, uh, that I'm selling at uh, like my conventions or that's on my my store that I'm selling publicly as art prints, I try to do something a little special that like, hey, this is a little behind the scenes sneak peek of an illustration I've been working on, you know, concept art for a future project. I try to do something a little special uh, uh, for that uh, postcard club. That sounds awesome. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. So uh, speaking of cons, what, uh, what conventions do you have planned for this year? Um, yeah, my, I had, 
two big conventions already uh, that start off the year. I was at Calgary Expo and Saskatoon Expo. Um, all my conventions are, are based in Canada because I'm based in Canada. Um, this uh, or next month coming up in, yeah, just about a month now uh, or less is uh, ICON, which is uh, AI-KON, which is an anime convention here in Winnipeg. Really great convention run by some great people. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a super great convention, great vibes. Um, and then uh, I am going to be at uh, Prairie, Comic, Prairie Comics Festival later in the year, uh, of which I'm also one of the organizers, um, which is, is cool. So I'm exhibiting there, but I also help run it. And so that's a small indie comic festival that's here in Winnipeg. Uh, we've got over 40 exhibitors this year um, and oh, some wow. special guests showing off their work. Um, yeah, it's it. So it's all indie comics. So it's very much. I don't know if you're familiar with TCAF, um, the Toronto Comic Arts Festival. So it's very much modeled off that of this isn't about fan art. This isn't about movies or big celebrities or video games or, or anything like that. This is just indie comics and independent artists making original work. Um, and, and that's it. Um, and it's really cool. It's a really welcoming, uh, wholesome atmosphere where we also do a bunch of free panels um to that talk about you know um that's on the same day as the weekend um that's september 23rd and 24th um that uh, you know if you're interested in the process behind making art or we do panels on queer comics we do panels on pitching to publishers um all kinds of really awesome programming that are all free to attend at the festival um yeah and then i'm going to edmonton expo i'm going to ottawa comic-con um, then I've got Winnipeg Comic Con, that's sort of the bigger Comic Con here in the city that's on Halloween weekend usually. Um, yeah, um, it's, uh, it's, it's always kind of uh, sneaks up on you and then it's like, oh, I got to scramble to get everything together for a convention. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good balance of doing stuff at home and then traveling and coming back and doing commissions for folks and yeah, kind of doing a bit of everything slowly but surely. Um, yeah, you had me at a, uh, a convention on Halloween weekend. I've never, yeah. <laughs> I've not been to a convention on Halloween weekend and that sounds amazing. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I mean, it's not that special if I'm being honest. It's, it's like, it's, it's a Comic-Con, it's a Comic-Con, but usually, you know, you get some really good cosplay because people are pulling out all the stops of like, oh, I get to double down. This is my cosplay for the weekend, but also this is my Halloween costume. So you get some extra special. And sometimes people have candy on their table for kids and, um, they do kind of like a, like a, a safe trick or treating kind of thing for kids or they used to, I'm nice. not sure if they still do that. Um, but yeah, it's fun. It's good vibes. And that's my local Comic-Con. So that feels, that feels big and kind of special too. So for those of us not in Canada, um, where can people find you online? Especially where can people buy your stuff online? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you can find all my stuff and all my links through my main website, scottafordart.com. Um, and there you can find my socials of Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, YouTube, um, as well as uh, you can, uh, my online store, which is through Store Envy, um, which is in U.S. prices because it's a U.S.-based company. Um, and there you can buy all my art prints, all my uh, graphic novels that are out, um, and, and also link to my Kickstarter for Hologram Hunter um, through there as well. Um, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> 
Cool, cool. So one more time, give us the detail on Hologram Hunter and its uh, Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, Hologram Hunter is a 3D uh, sci-fi graphic novel. Half the book is 2D illustration. Half the book is 3D that you look at with blue-red retro 3D glasses. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a sci-fi adventure story. Find it on Kickstarter right now. Hologram Hunter. I'm probably repeating myself a lot. Isn't that... <laughs> That's the rule of advertising is that you have to say it like six times before somebody remembers it. So there it is. Uh, Scott, this has been a great conversation. Uh, best of luck to you and uh, you best of so luck to Hologram Hunter. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone. <laughs>